You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people. Produced at 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Fulm Tran. Women on the Line acknowledges that this program is produced and presented on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and that their sovereignty was never ceded. We acknowledge their elders past and present, as well as the traditional owners of the land on which you're hearing us from. On this week's episode, we speak with Vina, May, Fahana and Fasila from Another Collective, a creative community that navigates the intersection of faith, identity and culture. Another Collective is a group of Muslim women creatives who are forming social connections and collaborating with each other to push back against the image and the idea of a creative and design industry that is exclusive, white and dominated by cis men. In this interview, we talk about the beauty of connecting with people with shared experiences, the radical nature of rest and unproductivity under capitalism, and the tensions and complexities of cultural identity. Here's another collective. My name is Farhana, my pronouns are she, her. I currently work as a design researcher. I work at a small consultancy in Melbourne called Paper Giant. Hi everyone, I'm Fazilat. Pronouns are she, her. I work as a digital product designer at Who Gives a Crap, toilet paper company. Hey guys, I'm Mabel Jubain. Pronouns are she, her, and I am a digital illustrator. Hi everyone, my name is Fina Perlanto. My pronouns are she and her. I'm a mum of a little one who's two years old now, so I'm hustling through motherhood. Besides that, I'm a spatial designer working in 3D space. Vina, can you start by telling us how Another Collective was created? So the inception of the collective started about a year and a bit now. So it was post-COVID times and me and my partner, um, my friend, uh, my sister, her name's Vasila, we came together and we were just brewing up some ideas randomly and we thought, hey, you know what, I think I think let's kind of connect again with like-minded but also people that we haven't crossed paths with, designers, especially uh, Muslim women. And this kind of gave birth through a desire to kind of reconnect and nurture, I guess, this important necessity for community it was quite organic in the way that we did it. We literally have been fangirling over these girls in this collective through social media. So what we did was like, hey, look, let's bring together all these women. So essentially we reached out to these women. We really tried to be professional about it and making sure that everyone feels comfortable in joining us. We were randoms in this, um, at this stage. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we established trust. And the first thing that we did was we reached out to everyone. I think it's like 28 girls now. And we look, hey, we want to start this thing. We see you and we see that 
we see the messaging that you're trying to do through your work and we want to support you by bringing all these women together and that was that and everyone was so open to connecting with us um, we had multiple zoom meetings just like this one trying to kind of explain ourselves who we are what we want and they're like cool this sounds amazing and this is this actually sounds like something that I want as well through the journey of connecting we figured that actually this is what people need this is what people want is to really come together but the basis of I guess after connecting with everyone we figured that look essentially we wanted to create a sisterhood for us firstly a support network because the industry is quite hard being a creative is a hustle it's not an easy gig to do and that was our core intention and secondly I think all of us had a desire to kind of create a social social impact social impact in a way that you know we're encouraging leisure we're encouraging rest we're encouraging enjoyment and we really want to be unproductive together that's something to leverage off in terms of having you know if you have you have a group of very creative and smart women come together you want to make sure that we're not feeding the system of capitalism like you mentioned earlier for and really kind of sustaining that community and unproductivity which is like the health for all of us so yeah I think in a in a very candid way that's how he started. Would you be able to tell us how you came up with the name for the collective? Yeah that's a great question thanks for asking for so I'm notoriously bad with names but this one kind of just popped up really organically again nothing's ever kind of strategically planned you know but me and Marcella were thinking you know how did we feel as humans like first off and like oh you know we always felt like the other you know especially in this colonial white Australian context we always felt like we were always the other we were always the minority our thinking as well as creatives was always quite left and you know no one really got it so like oh you know we are the other and we're like okay like another collective (laughs) it was just that's literally what happened and I know that we also want to avoid the othering of us because essentially we aren't the other (laughs) Um, so that's something that we're workshopping as we evolve through this collective trying to understand if another is actually appropriate for a group like us because again we don't want to put ourselves in that box but it's also kind of an expression of bringing together different parts of people in different parts of cultures and different parts of, I guess, art that are not kind of fitting in the conventional capitalist system. And that's where I feel the name really born out um, itself. So, Yeah, there's something so special about being able to evolve as, as a community and to know that nothing's set in stone, that everything's fluid and there is an openness to change and to evolving into something different and better and that suits the needs and the desires of the community uh, because people are always changing and going and learning. So it makes sense that as a community, you do that together. I wanted to touch on the current landscape of the art and design industry. You sort of alluded to this in introducing us to the collective FINA 
Farhana, can you tell us more about existing within this industry where it is white, male-dominated, you know, there's a lot of competition. What's your take on being a part of this industry? I think my first exposure to the industry was probably when I was in design school. So I studied at RMIT, which was lovely. I enjoyed it, but I think it was the first time I got to understand the landscape and I guess the existing structures that were in place. I noticed a couple things. First of all, most of my tutors are white cis men um, who are kind of seen as more reputable within the industry but also kind of seen as the standard. And a lot of my peers also came from, I guess I'd say more privileged backgrounds. Um, a lot of them came from private schools. A lot of them had like really great art and design resources in high school, which allowed them to enter this course. It was a portfolio, so like a selective course based on your portfolio. So I kind of saw the advantage they had yeah, even though we were all in uni, I already started to feel where privilege played a role. And I think a big part of that was like knowing people and making connections. A lot of my peers were sometimes born into those connections. Their parents were artists or architects and, you know, they got internships and things in high school and others just found it really easy to connect with fellow white peers as well and so yeah I found it quite tricky and after graduating I also experienced the same thing but I guess on a larger scale where I saw the power of connections and I realized that that's something that I didn't really have access to and I think sort of similar to that I started to understand that the seeing yourself represented in an industry can be so powerful and give you so much confidence that's not something I ever experienced it was difficult for me to imagine my place in the industry and what it was and I feel like people of color especially people of migrant backgrounds really have to work twice as hard and be twice as excellent to get to where they are all while not having those role models or mentors and that can be disheartening at, at times I really hope to see that change and I think our collective is part of that change. When I was in uni, I always thought about like having a seat at that table, seeing where I belong. But I think the older I get, the more I realise that maybe I don't like that table. Like that table was made by white men mostly and I started to question a lot of norms and practices in the industry and I think part of my practice and part of this collective is like building our own new table that's inclusive and radical and collective in so many ways. That's a really beautiful response. Thank you so much for that, Fahana. Uh, Fasila, was there anything you wanted to add to what has already been said about, about the industry, the gaps or the lack of understanding or even just the lack of regard for people who aren't white and privileged and cis men? Yeah, well, I mean, I can only echo what Farhana said. I went to uni at UTS. I think anyone who's going through a, a design degree or an arts degree, um, visual arts degree, they can attest to the fact that everything that we're taught 
is taught through the lens of a cis white man. And it's quite interesting because that is held as a standard and that is held as what is acceptable and what is the height of design. And it does become interesting because as a designer, you almost have to unlearn or or you're taught in a way that you feel restricted in your perspective because think maybe what I have to give isn't actually of value and maybe it's unconventional or maybe I shouldn't explore my identity through my design. And actually what I found um, was that I very much lent into my culture and my identity being a separate thing to my work. In ways, it was great because it allowed for this common language between other designers and other creators. But in other ways, it was quite limiting and found myself to be in that silo. I think meeting everyone who's been in the collective has been transformational in the sense that I was like, oh my gosh, we've all had this experience. Interestingly, I've never really looked at culture and identity until being in this collective through my creative practice. And that's what's really transformed. Going into like the gaps in the industry, I think the biggest one is actually the barriers for entry. Who is in that room? Me going to UTS, that's a privilege. I know that because there are other designers and other creatives who would have loved the experience to be able to go to a visual communication degree, but they couldn't because that ATA is high and that requires you having really good education. And I echo what Prahana was saying around like, When you do make it, and like I'm conscious of that room that I'm in, I worked so hard to make sure that I wasn't underperforming because that would mean I would never make it. And I really pushed myself hard. And what was great about that was it allowed myself to be in rooms and spaces where someone like me, you wouldn't see them. And that was great. Um, But what it means is I'm looking at my peers in the collective even, and I'm like, Not everyone had that opportunity. And I think the barrier for entry for design and art spaces is that it's based on who you know. I was privileged enough to know and meet these people through my connections from university and people recommending me. But that's not everyone's um, circumstances. And that's really the biggest gap. It's no secret that it's based on who you know. And that's quite disheartening to know. Having thought about now the gaps within the industry, how hard it is to exist within a place that's not made for you. What does it mean to have these intersectional community spaces that are created for and run by people within the community? May, I was wondering if you could touch on that. I think it's really important to have these spaces so that, you know, we can exist you know, in a relaxed manner, we're not so hyper vigilant all the time, like thinking, am I the only, am I the other in the room? When we get together as the collective or when we go to events, you know, made particularly for people of color or different races, it's really awesome. We don't, I think we just feel like we can be our most authentic selves because we're mingling with all these different people. It's just a a room full of different creatives from different backgrounds. And yeah, I just, I think it's a really positive thing to have. So I've been a freelance illustrator for the past year. It was just sort of a side hustle thing just after uni. Um, But now I'm actually, uh, I've been, you know, on the job hunt, (laughs) looking to get into the industry. And I feel like I've never felt this way about myself before. I've never really 
see myself as the other. Like, I, I feel like everywhere I've gone and been, like, I'm pretty, like, I integrate well with everyone around me. I don't feel like I stand out like a sore thumb. But when I've been applying and I'm looking at my resume and it says my name, May Abuljabain, and, you know, on my experiences, I have a lot of things with, you know, working with Muslim women, people of color. And like on my portfolio, there's just a lot of a bunch of pictures of women in hijab and all this. And I can't help but feel, is this going to be a disadvantage? Is this is this going to, you know, when I look at all the companies that I'm applying to and I look at, you know, meet our team and I see a picture of just like white people. I'm like, is this going to, you know, I, I don't know. It, I, I hate that I thought that I that, that crosses my mind feel ashamed because I'm like no I'm proud that I'm a Muslim woman who's Palestinian Egyptian like yeah yeah it just crosses my mind and I hate that yeah so that's why I think having you know those spaces where I don't feel that way it's just such a stark difference I think that's really interesting what you've said just now like we've all sort of mentioned before this sort of white colonial system has set things up so that you do have those thoughts about your identity and how how what role that plays with within well in this context within so-called Australia so I think that it's nothing that you should feel bad or guilty about because I feel like it wasn't sort of your choice to have to think about these things in this way think about those tensions and the role that plays. Priscilla is there anything you wanted to add to that? So with our collective we actually was so mindful around this capitalist society that we function in. And actually, when we first got together, one of our intentions was we're all in roles that feed into this capitalist mindset and society where we're told that our creativity is a function for profit. And we wanted to be really intentional about creating a space where we're being creative and being mindful of how we contribute to the world around us in a non capitalist way Um, and we'll get into this later but we're supporting each other through that and we're also contributing back to the community and people that look like us and people that feel other in our spaces and that's really core to what we're trying to create. And it makes me think of what Vina was saying before about prioritizing things like rest and and unproductivity those things are so radical in themselves because you really do have to push back against that that pressure from existing within capitalism to always be producing, always be working, being profitable, making money, being competitive, all of all of that stuff, which which is sort of the antithesis of community and working together and looking after each other and looking after yourself. I wanted to touch on any uh, projects that are happening with the collective, anything that you've been working on collectively since the inception of the group? Because like you said, it seems like this collective is multifaceted. There's always so many things going on, which is really exciting. So Fazila, did you want to tell us, have there been any big projects? What are you currently working on that you're, uh, that you want to tell everyone about? Well, one of the initial projects that kind of kick-started our collective team working has been A Seat at the Table, which is an ongoing art piece that we've been working on um, and hopefully will lead to an exhibition at some point. But what's been great is that it has allowed for us to practice creativity outside of the constructs of our 
job and our work and capitalism. Um, so what the piece, A Seat at the Table, is, and this kind of ref- goes back to what Farhana was saying, was all of us kind of connected around this theme of A Seat at the Table. Who Who's made this table? What, what does it look like? Do we actually need the table? Do we want to make our own? And I think that's what this is about. And so what it is, is tablecloths that are split between all of us each of us have a little section where we get to explore that theme of a seat at the table what it means to us and what it looks like through the craft of embroidery and after each of us does a piece we're covering it up and passing it and shipping it on to the next person to then do a piece and we're hoping to eventually do a big reveal internally and um, kind of see what our collective themes are through that we reveal through this embroidery piece. And I think it's going to be a really beautiful thing once we do that. And beyond that, we've been working on events because we're all about community and we really want to reach out to the wider public and create that sense of community and creativity outside our jobs generally not something that we do and are able to do. And one of the events that we did that leads on from a seat at the table is a plate at the table. And we wanted to explore that the, the, the art around food, this idea of creating food, coming together around food. And we were able to do that. We did dumplings, we did matcha brownies, and we also did nasi kuning plates. And that was hosted by Natasha, who's a part of our team. Um, And nasi kuning is usually served, so it's an Indonesian dish that's usually served on festive occasions. And it's a mystic symbol of life in ecosystems. And according to folklore in Java and Bali, the side dishes and the vegetables represent life and harmony of nature. And I think um, this idea of food as a means to explore like it is is a beautiful way to explore the art of food and the culture of food and I think it leads back to us actually exploring culture and identity in this creative industry through food and it's been a really and we had everyone really loved it it was great great event and we're all like sitting on the floor creating our own table deconstructing these white narratives of what a table should look like and the idea of even like cutlery forks uh, and knives which are you know colonial inventions and like using our hands to eat and things like that so yeah I really liked that when you were describing your big project a seat at the table this embroidery project that you're going to have a big internal reveal again that idea of like making art for yourselves and for each other not necessarily for an an outside audience a white audience you know this seems like something that's very much seems like a really big part of the collective and it's really special to each of you individually but also in how you relate to each other and how you all as a collective relate to the creative industry so I hope it goes well and looking forward to hearing updates about about that project uh Mina did you want to talk to any other events that you've held uh, so far? Yeah, I guess it's mentioning the henna and chai events um, that we just had in Sydney, which was a hit. Traditionally, I guess, during Eid, uh, we would adorn our hands with henna. But what the collective has done, not only for this particular event, but for a play at the table as well, is we've um, sustained traditional methods of cooking, for example, the nasi kuning and some of its symbolic 
um, expressions, similar with henna as well, in terms of using henna. But we've contemporized it in a way. We've like shifted, we've kind of deconstructed it and made it our own in a sense and kind of relatable to us and to our guests, modern contemporary um, landscapes. But yeah, and then I guess the future events is the Henna um, collab with Mahala in Melbourne, which is, again, for a really great cause. And, yeah, we've got some other events lined up in the future. We're talking about a book launch in Sydney as well. So we're really excited about that. But I just wanted to make a note around the events is that it kind of comes up as an idea. It's not something that we strategically plan throughout the year, like this is what we're going to have and this is what we're going to produce. It kind of is like circumstantial. It's like what are we feeling like we want to do today, you know? So, again, it's very personal and special to us and it's something that we want to share with everyone instead of something that is an outcome for the audience. Before we leave today, I did want to ask about the the future of another collective. May, would you like to speak to that? As Vina mentioned, um, we're always randomly coming up with ideas like, hey, guys, I have this really cool event that happened here. and We'd like to do our own twist. Do you want to do that? Always, always these things are coming up. So, yeah, we're really hoping to do more events. We've actually done an event called Art and About, which was intent. Like, I think the intention was for it to be like a quarterly event that we host for the community where everybody just gets together to have like a really chill time, create art, talk, inspire each other, make friendships. So we want to host more of those. We're also, you know, planning on hosting a henna and chai night here in Melbourne before the next aid in June. Um, And yeah, uh, we're hoping to expand. Uh, We're always on the lookout for other girls that we're fangirling about. I really think that this collective is just a big fangirl club (laughs) for other uh, creatives out there. (laughs) Um, so yeah, uh, we're, we recently, I think, recruited 10 new Melbourne girls. So we're slowly catching up to Sydney. They, they're the, you know, the biggest team. <laughs> and yeah, and something else we're always, always um, talking about is hopefully one day having a space that is like an official hub for another collective in Melbourne and in Sydney, somewhere we can just always rely on and, you know, go and host our events there and that's where another collective lives so that's also something that that's a dream hopefully we can make it happen that was may a member of another collective sharing with us the group's vision for the future if you would like to learn more about this community you can check them out on instagram at an.othercollective that's all for women on the line today We would love to hear any comments or thoughts you have about the program, so please send us an email at womenontheline at gmail.com or give us a call at 3CR on 03 9419 8377. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Women on the Line is a national feminist current affairs program. It is produced and presented by a range of women and gender non-conforming broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Kavara. All Women on the Line episodes can be downloaded from www.3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. I'm Fulin Tran. Tune in to Women on the Line next week on your community radio station.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.